Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. It is September 30th. Maybe by the time some of you listen to this, it will be October 1st. And there's another cool, rainy day here. I got a good long run in. Beautiful. I have never seen the Nevada side of Tahoe so green. The The high desert's been really pretty lately. So good stuff. Good stuff. Anyways, I want to talk about Bob Menendez. Remember our buddy Bob Bob Menendez, I can't even say his name, senator from New Jersey, who is impressive in the sense that he's actually making all the other corruption in New Jersey look like nothing compared to what he's doing. Like, even for New Jersey, his is bad. But, But he's having a pretty bad time involving bribery, potentially working as a foreign agent for the Egyptian government, embezzlement, fraudulent activity, pretty much everything you you want to have fun with, he's involved here. Before we get into what I want to talk about mainly in this Saturday episode, I'm going to start with just his press conference because later it's going to be important to go back to that. Um, I want to talk about two things today. How he is an ongoing national security threat based on the activity he was involved in with the Egyptian government. A lot of foreign policy and and defense ministry people believe that he could be still an asset to the Egyptian government and also could be a threat to the United States government. And there's still things that we might not know he's involved in and he could be quite compromised. So I want to talk about that. But I also want to talk about how his doubling down, saying I will be vindicated from all of my wrongdoings, this is a political attack on me, I'm innocent, I will be running for senator again, kind of just is going into Trump's playbook. And it looks like kind of this don't back down mentality that Republicans have embraced is starting to trickle into the Democratic Party. We need to remember that Bob Menendez is a Democratic senator. And what's interesting about it is that it's actually his own party that is telling him to resign. He needs to just go away. But it's actually Republicans that are defending him. And I'll get into that in a minute. But I think it's because if if they can support a Democrat that is calling the Justice Department corrupt, then it looks better for them defending Trump, who is also saying that the Justice Department is corrupt. And it just shows a moral breakdown. But anyways... Let's just start with his press conference from a few days ago where he really just seems convinced that this is a witch hunt. He's going to be fine. There's no shame involved in it. And it just reminds me that this guy is a real piece of work and he needs to go. But we'll talk more after. On Friday, the Southern District of New York brought charges against me. I understand how deeply concerning this can be. However, the allegations leveled against me are just that. Allegations. For anyone who has known me throughout my 50 years of public service, they know I have always fought for what is right. My advocacy has always been grounded in what I learned from growing up as a son of Cuban refugees, especially my mom, my hero, Evangelina Menendez. Everything I've accomplished, I've worked for, despite the naysayers and everyone who has underestimated me. I recognize uh, this will be the biggest fight uh, yet, but as I have stated throughout this whole process, I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. (laughs) For now, I want to address four things. First, 
a cornerstone of the foundation of American democracy and our justice system is the principle that all people are presumed innocent until proven guilty. All people. I ask for nothing more and deserve nothing less. The court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. We cannot set aside the presumption of innocence for political expediency when the harm is irrevocable. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Sadly, I know that. Instead of waiting for all the facts to be presented, others have rushed to judgment because they see a political opportunity for themselves or those around them. All I humbly ask for in this moment in my colleagues in Congress, the elected leaders and the advocates of New Jersey that I have worked with for years, as well as each person who calls New Jersey home, is to pause and allow for all the facts to be presented. So I, I first and foremost think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's interesting that he is really playing into that political hit. They're going after me without all the evidence. It's interesting to hear this coming from a Democrat, especially a kind of corrupt establishment Democrat who's been there for a long time. But the sad part about all of this to me is that it seems like people like Menendez are just learning from the Republicans on how to respond to criminal accusations, right? Um, Instead of admitting wrongdoing or taking responsibility for their actions, they're almost just feeding this anti-justice rhetoric that is like, oh, you guys are accusing me of this? Well, actually, it's a political hit. The Justice Department's after me, and I'm completely innocent, and you will find out I'm innocent. And it's very populist very propagandist, and it's kind of anti-democratic in a lot of ways, but it was interesting to see Bob Menendez do this because we have to remember this is a guy who's been around for quite some time. This is a guy who actually, due to mistrial issues, did not get in trouble for similar charges. I believe it was with Azerbaijan, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong, but he's he's had a lot of foreign entanglements over the years, and this is a guy who clearly <clears throat> has problems. And so it's not surprising that finally he got busted for this stuff, but he is making a spectacle now out of it, and he's acting emboldened. And what worries me is that I think there are some people out there that don't care if you're innocent, they don't care if you're telling the truth, but they're there for the energy, they're there for the spectacle, and they're there to find their team and support someone. Now, I don't think Bob Bob Menendez has the personality or the showsmanship to do that, but it does seem like there's a part of the constituency, especially on the right, but maybe on the left as well, that doesn't really care if you're telling the truth, don't care if you're innocent. And I'm worried that that energy is now kind of seeping into the Democratic Party as well. And for a long time, I've always thought that this kind of conspiratorial Justice Department is after us, deep state, everything's political rhetoric. I always worried it would eventually impact both parties. And this might be the first example that we're seeing that. And, okay, so the New Republic also has a pretty interesting piece. Now, I don't usually read the New Republic, but it also brings up this interesting point that I alluded to earlier, 
that talks about how Republicans are either not talking about Menendez, aren't calling him, calling for him to resign, or are openly saying that, look, a Democrat is also being targeted by the deep state. And it seems like they are starting to defend or at least not call for his resignation because they want to paint all of these criminal indictments as part of some bigger deep state plot to take down political enemies. And I guess if they can defend Menendez too and say it's happening to a Democrat, then they can also say, see, this is good for us defending Trump. It happens on both sides. They can say, see, both sides are corrupt. We're all corrupt. Who cares? It's actually, if you think about it, kind of a dark form of political nihilism that's like, see, we're all breaking the rules and we're all just fucked, so why care anymore, basically? That seems to me to be this calculation here. And so anyways, this article in The New Republic writes, Trump has declared somewhat of an allegiance or at least support for New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. And it caught a lot of people unaware. The article writes here, in quotes, I used to think Trump and the Republican Party he leads were blindly partisan. Now I discover they're blindly partisan when it comes to support for political corruption. The article continues in a little bit. It would be all too easy for Trump to say, in quotes, I get indicted for demanding that every ballot be counted and Democrats call me a cook. Menendez gets caught with envelopes stuffed with cash and gold bars and cry and Chuck Schumer calls him a dedicated public servant. Interesting, right? And <clears throat> I guess getting back to the political nihilism or the topic of political nihilism, <laughs> it's interesting because, look, Chuck Schumer has kind of had a milquetoast response to this so far. It's clear that some of these old establishment Democrats that have known Menendez for a long time don't have the full courage to call for his resignation. But it's, it's, it's a very deep nihilism here because it doesn't seem like Republicans are calling for it either, and they don't care either. And I think this article just does bring up a really good point about how the Republican Party seems to be in support of political corruption, whether it's on the left or the right, because what it does is it retcons their own acceptance and lack of accountability in dealing with people like Trump and Rudy Giuliani and Jared Kushner and so on. And that's why, in a sense, I'm kind of surprised that they're not defending Hunter Biden, too, because all of it seems like it would kind of check out their new, like, downplay accountability so we don't have to keep ourselves in check type of mentality. So it's almost like a new horseshoe effect, <laughs> something like that. And I think it was in, I think it was Trump's non-union rally that he did in Michigan. It was during this rally that he had alluded to, look, they're even going after that Democrat Menendez now. It's a really interesting expansion of all these deep state political attacks on their opponents' rhetoric. And I don't know, I guess at the end of the day, it is good to see that the Democrats are not playing ball with this, or at least most of them. Uh, Senator John Fetterman was the first guy to really come out boldly and say, this guy needs to fucking go. Now, even people like Cory Booker, the fellow senator from New Jersey, he has come out you are seeing a bigger call for him to resign. Obviously, he stepped down as chair, but I don't, I don't still think that's enough. And so at least the Democrats are slowly saying, no, this guy shouldn't be here anymore. He's corrupt. He's dangerous. AOC also responded to, like, to Menendez's comments that he said, they're attacking me because I'm a Cuban man, which is just insane. Um, I, I do think that if Bob Menendez was a Republican, he would probably be on Newsmax every day and he'd have his own podcast coming up soon and he would be a superstar because 
That's what we've seen with some of the most cringeworthy, dangerous, radical people inside of the party, the most corrupt. I mean, what's the Viking helmet guy from January 6th? He has his own podcast. He was a star. Marjorie Taylor Greene's meeting with him, that type of stuff. Like, at least the Democratic Party's not embracing this guy's corruption. But again, the Republican Party at least seems to not be wanting him to resign. And you just have to worry about the state of our democracy when that is happening. And I was watching Bill Maher, by the way, he's back. First episode was actually quite good. Um, but he, he had his panel, which was Catherine Ham, kind of a center-right, almost libertarian-adjacent, former Fox News correspondent. She's now been on CNN, writes books. I actually find her fight inter- quite interesting. I like a lot of her work. I don't agree with her on everything, but I don't need to agree with her on everything. But it was a panel with her and Sam Harris, obviously very astute podcast host, um, neuroscientist, all the works. And basically Ham and Harris were kind of going back and forth a little bit about why Republicans think the Justice Department is corrupt or like why they think the deep state is coming after Trump and kind of where all this stems from. And she brought up a point that Harris and Marr did not agree with whatsoever and I don't fully agree with, but in a sense, I kind of understand her abstract talking point or argument that she's using. And what she's basically mentioning in, during this section of the panel is that she says all of this skepticism amongst the base towards federal law enforcement came during the Russian probe, the Mueller investigation, the Steele dossier, all of that stuff. And Of course, we had the Durham report that Republicans said was going to fix everything and highlight the FBI corruption. It really didn't. It just showed that, yeah, the FBI probably didn't do everything perfectly. And some of these FISA warrants, for example, and other actions they did after the Steele dossier could have been done better. I think that is true. But basically, Ham's point was that a lot of Trump supporters felt like based on the Steele dossier, which was questionable and funded by at least people associated with Hillary Clinton, it felt like they were just going after him from day one. And then she says they didn't really find anything in the Russia collusion hoax. That's where I would disagree. That's where Bill Maher disagreed. That's where Sam Harris disagreed. Because they did find unwarranted and unprecedented connections between Trump staffers and the Russian government. But at the same time, there was nothing actually done about it. And Mueller never really said Trump was innocent. But as we know, it kind of faded away. But her point was that now it just feels like there has been a hyper focus on Trump and using the legal system to take him down. And she just doesn't think that there's the same scrutiny on the actions of Hunter Biden. And again, I, I think it's probably because Trump has done more illegal activity. But at the same time, I guess... I can understand at least the crux of the argument, which is that from day one, there have been investigations into Trump. And even though not all of them have actually turned out to be big bombshells, the media has covered them like that. And I mean, you could even get into like the Stormy Daniels hush money payment that was Trump's first indictment. Of course, it's illegal. It's not a good look. But would it have been a misdemeanor if Hunter Biden was doing it? Maybe. And I think that's kind of the crux of why a lot of, I guess you could say, conservatives feel like the Justice Department has become weaponized. I don't totally agree with it, but I think that's where they're fueling all of this. And and then also, I, I think we live in such a divided country right now 
that if you only get coverage that talks about how nothing was found in the Mueller report and how they're just going after Trump and he's been innocent, but they keep doing these investigations and special counsels, then you are going to think that the government and law enforcement is weaponized. And my my theory on that would be that you do need to hold elected officials accountable. And that includes, by the way, Bob Menendez, because it, it's a it's a gradual progression into breaking every norm, right? Because like Trump initially just does stuff like paying off porn stars, but then it turns into the, I just need 11,000 votes. Give me a break phone call, the perfect phone call to Brad Raffensperger. It also then just slowly progresses to working with people to try to overturn an election and disenfranchise Americans that voted for Joe Biden. And then it also progresses to his perfect keeping of documents next to toilets in Mar-a-Lago that were classified and they gave him a chance to give back and he didn't, right? And so I would argue that it's not that the government is going after Trump. It's just that he keeps breaking the law. And there comes a point when someone keeps breaking the law and progressively breaking it worse and worse and worse, you do need to eventually make a point out of it or it just gets worse. And unfortunately, we didn't make a point out of it quick enough. And now look where we're at. But anyways, I want to get back to Bob Menendez, because there's actually a really interesting piece in a great publication called Just Security. And it's called The Ongoing National Security Threats Posed by Senator Bob Menendez. And I think this is a good, good article, because a lot of us, myself included, have kind of joked about how he was hiding gold bricks in his house, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in his house, fingerprints on the gold bricks matched people he'd been working with in Egypt that were getting investigated. He said he was just doing it because his parents fled Cuba, and sometimes you have to prepare for times of crisis. By the way, his parents fled Cuba before Castro, so that's a whole other thing. He was also born in New York. Anyways, uh, I think I think we've we've laughed about a lot of this, and a lot of it is funny. But even though this guy stepped down as the chairman for the the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he is still in the Senate, and I would argue he's still compromised. And I think this piece really helps us understand just how compromised this guy is. I'm going to start with just a line from the article that I think really paints this well. So Just Security writes here in quotes, "The, The recent indictment of U.S. Senator Bob Menendez reads like the script of a B crime movie. A politician three New Jersey businessmen, a shady trucking business, and envelopes and a safe deposit box stuffed with cash and gold bars. But the most important through line in the narrative isn't the criminal charges. Rather, it is the national security threat raised by the espionage and counterintelligence concerns which run through the 39-page documents. And that's what I want to talk about here because I agree some of this is quite farcical and would make for a good shitty like B-comedy spy movie. But a lot of this is also really troubling if you follow national security and foreign policy like I do. So I guess in summary, the government of Egypt has a pretty critical defense partnership with the United States. And maybe sometimes, for example, they don't get enough of what they want or they want more. They want someone in Washington to help them peddle influence. Well, it appears that they recruited the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is kind of insane. And it's insane to me for just so many reasons. 
I don't blame the Egyptians for doing it. They were able to do it. But it's insane that someone like Bob Menendez, with that power and authority, A, wasn't like somehow held accountable or found out before just because of his position. But also it's just insane to me that someone with that amount of power would also be so willing to just compromise. And all of it is troubling. But getting back to that Just Security article, it writes here, the indictment explicitly lists five ways Menendez has already compromised U.S. national security and, and implicitly reveals one ongoing threat Menendez poses as long as he continues to hold his current position. So what I want to do for the rest of this is just go through those five things because they are not great. So number one, disclosing the United States' staffing blueprint in its Egyptian embassy. So basically on May, I think it was May 6th, 2018, Menendez literally asked the State Department to provide him with the non-public information about who was working at the U.S. Embassy in Cairo and about their nationality. And according to the documents and according to the indictment, once he got this information, he then texted that information to his then-girlfriend, now-wife, who's also in trouble, and that's Nadine Menendez, who then talked to an Egyptian businessman named Wael Hanna, and then he gave the information to Egyptian officials. So isn't that nice? And so Just Security writes here, such tasking by the Egyptians would be consistent with classic modus operandi in a recruitment operation. It continues, indeed the chronology that follows in the indictment indicates the senator had become compromised and increasing demands were then placed on him by the Egyptian officials and intermediaries. Sounds like a guy that should be chairman of the Senate Foreign Council, or sorry, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, right? Okay, number two, this is the second thing that's a problem. He was providing advanced information on U.S. military aid, which doesn't sound great. Just Security writes, Menendez serves as the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He had the ability, because of this position, to place holds on pending military financing and sales, or to release those holds. So, getting into the details, back also in May 2018, that must have been a really fucking busy time for him. Apparently, he provided, using again his now wife Nadine as an intermediary, information that was not made public to, again, Egyptian officials and government agents regarding what military aid was going to Egypt before that information was public. And apparently, Menendez also met with government officials and military officials in July 2018, and he received briefing materials regarding Egypt's foreign policy goals. And so he's one of the guys that actually can really be involved in the, in the appropriations and handling of what aid goes to where. So it's not good when he's meeting with Egyptian officials and learning about what their needs are. And I would assume some of the gold bricks or the cash might have come from this. But again, remember, he was just taking these out of his bank account just in case of times of trouble, right? Number three, ghostwriting a letter requesting U.S. military aid from the government of Egypt. I think this one to me is the most damning. Because it's just insane. Do you guys remember Paul Manafort? <laughs> big lobbyist, Roger Stone's former ally, Trump, big, big Trump guy, huge Trump guy. I think he was Trump's chief of staff at one point, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, actually, no, he was the chairman of the Trump campaign. Yeah, back in 2016. Okay, anyways, that's not important, but... Basically, it sounds like for this ghostwriting a letter US, uh, requesting U.S. military aid from the government of Egypt, it's a lot like when Paul Manafort in 2017 
was caught by prosecutors ghostwriting an op-ed <laughs> with, an in, with an individual tied to Russian intelligence. This was that Konstantin Klimnik guy. Uh, and, you know, Mende, I guess Menendez and Manafort, different sides of the political aisle, but uh, similar actions. So anyways, Just Security writes, also in May 2018, Nadine conveyed to Menendez a request from Egyptian government officials seeking his help in drafting a letter to lobby other senators to support providing Egypt with military aid. Menendez acquiesced, secretly writing a letter purporting to be from the government of Egypt. Guys, this one's just fucked. Because <sighs> this guy is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He knows these people. He knows how it works. He knows the inner workings of the Senate as a whole, and he knows what'll get people to kowtow to extra aid. So then he's going behind his own Senate's back, his own country's back, working with the Egyptian government to write a letter, a fraudulent letter, a forged letter to the U.S. government from the government of Egypt. And he's an inside guy. That's not ghostwriting a letter. That's forging a letter as an American senator pretending to be an Egyptian government official. If that doesn't make you an Egyptian agent or an Egyptian asset, I don't know what does, but that one really troubles me. And it also makes me just question this guy's moral character at all. And again, he should not be in the Senate. He should resign right now. Moving on, number four. He also provided a heads up on questions U.S. senators intended to ask of Egyptian officials. Again, helping the Egyptians get the best they can get. I guess this one was in June 2021, so more recent. But again, Nadine, his wife, arranged a meeting between Bob Menendez and a senior Egyptian intelligence official in a hotel. And <laughs> again, Menendez sold out his own country and gave the, intel excuse me, the intelligence official a copy of a news article reporting on questions that his colleagues in the Senate would be asking the official at a meeting the next day. This is according to Just Security, um, the publication again. And this is about a human rights issue. This one a little bit less damning because it was already a news report. But who knows? He was, again, giving them more information than they need because I don't know how closely they were following U.S. news reports. But either way, again, it's like he clearly is, like, trying to help them get what they want. And I'm assuming, again, the gold bricks and wads of cash come from there. But, but this one also brings up a bigger issue is that Menendez, even in that video I played earlier, talks a lot about how his human rights record is great. He really focuses on human rights and all that bullshit. And guys, he's literally working as an asset of the Egyptian government, which human rights are not a high priority there. I did an episode back in January, I think it was, about how basically the government of al-Sisi, Fatah al-Sisi, has just eroded human rights and it's become quite a radical military, I mean, it's not military, sorry, a radical Muslim organization that while it's fighting the Muslim Brotherhood, it's also like identifying anyone who falls under that kind of Islamic ideology as a problem. Like they're locking up a lot of people deemed extremists that are not. And the rhetoric towards sub-Saharan Africans that are typically black, while like Egyptians are more Arab, um, the rhetoric is getting a lot worse. And so... Menendez, who claims to be a human rights activist, uh, he's defending literally a, a regime that is a military dictatorship, has not given up power after the coup during the Arab Spring, and this is a government that's becoming much more militaristic towards political opponents. 
So again, that's another fun side to this. But finally, the last one uh, that Just Security brings up is just how he's an ongoing threat. And I'm going to read this little passage here because I think it's a perfect summarization of this. It just, just Security writes here, It is possible that the events laid out in the indictment represent the full breadth of interactions between Menendez and the Egyptian government. However, there is the distinct possibility that it is not, and that Egypt is in possession of other communications or actions taken by Menendez that the FBI have not yet uncovered or that has not been made public. This is where... It's a serious, ongoing national security risk to the United States because this is an elected official who can handle classified information, and we don't know if the Egyptians have more dirt on him. I mean, obviously they've been paying him well, and he's clearly sided with them or at least helped them get a lot of access to military aid and unreleased, non-public information. And that is that is quite troubling if you believe in senators doing their job and representing the United States. I think you have to wonder if he's willing to do this with the Egyptian government, would he be willing to do this with the Saudis, with the Iranians, with the Russians? Yeah, the world's his oyster when you have a shitty moral compass and do this type of crap. And Nadine Menendez also is quite involved in this, so I hope she goes down as well. And I hope this guy doesn't just not get reelected. I hope he is kicked out of the Senate, and I hope that he sees a jail cell, because that's what this guy deserved if the indictments are true. Again, in the United States, he is innocent until proven guilty. He will have his time in court. But what I will say is that this guy has a long history of corruption and it looks like the chickens are coming back to roost. So we will have to see. But on a light note to end this episode, <laughs> maybe he'll just go full MAGA because obviously that's the political party that seems to defend those that go to jail or have indictments, 91 counts, for example. They seem to double down and back you. So watch him just like end up at a Trump rally next week or end up on the road with Marjorie Taylor Greene or at whatever it may be. But Honestly, I wouldn't be that surprised if he just makes this like giant U-turn and just becomes like a MAGA Republican or one of those guys who claims to be a Democrat but then is at like a Kerry Lake rally, kind of a Tulsi Gabbard type. Eh, nothing surprises me anymore. But anyways, have a great rest of your uh, Saturday. I will see you guys for the Sunday countdown, hopefully tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the top seven people that I think could be Trump's vice presidential candidate in 2024. So we'll get to that tomorrow. Anyways, as always, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. You guys know the rest. Adios.